The following shiur has been presented by Rabbi Yehoshua Sova, Rav of Kehillat Shara Ezra, Miami Beach, Florida. For more shiurim or information, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. Pesat Hashem, we will be discussing in this week's parasha, Parashat Azinu, the commandment to write a Sefer Torah, which many people say is the, the parasha, that of Ha'azinu, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu says the entire Torah is contained in what seemingly seems to be a small verse or verses that we have packed in this week's parasha. We know that although preceding that parasha Vayedech, it says, azot, And now you will write this song, V'lamda et b'nei Yisrael sima b'fihem, and you'll teach B'nai Yisrael, let it be placed in their mouth, Lema'an, in order, that this song, Le'ed B'nai Yisrael, it should be as a testimony to Klai Yisrael. And some people say that this is specifically before Parashat Azinu, because Parashat Azinu is telling us the song of the entire Jewish history of of uh, the Sefer Torah and what it represents. But you see from that that Shirat Azinu is, according to some, that's classified as the Sefer Torah, what we're talking about. So what we'd like to talk about is a question, a number of questions that are very relevant to that of a Sefer Torah, and we may not even realize it's so relevant. But before we go into the questions, we would like to just share with you something that we can't pass up on the, in the parasha, and that is the, the Panavijarav, Rav Yosef Kohen Kahanamin Zatav, used to always say, how could we call the Torah Shira? We know David HaMelech was actually punished quite severely for giving the term of calling the Torah Zmirot, that it, I consider like a song. HaKadosh Baruch Hu got very upset at him for saying that, and Ba Malach V'sitr Al-Panav, uh, the Gemara tells us that Amalach came and slapped David HaMelech for for doing something like that, for saying something like that. So it was a very serious thing. How could you say Torah is considered a shira, it's considered a song? So says the Panavijarav, an unbelievable idea. He says, in order for Torah to be given over properly to next generation, it has to be in the context of being a shira, something that's a song. Just like a song, you sort of forget where you are, what position you're in, where you're going, you just get enveloped by the song, and you lose yourself. And by losing yourself, you're in a different realm. A person has to know that when they're with Torah, they're with Borei Olam, they're with Akadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore as a result of that, they'll have tremendous simcha, whatever it is that they do. And therefore he said, the Torah specifically calls itself Shira. Not like David HaMelech who called it Zmirot. Hashem himself could say, this is called Shira. Because he knows what the Torah is. Someone even on Amadirga of David HaMelech, to say that, they felt it was very inappropriate. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could say, this is a Shira, this is what gets a person to besimcha, to get a person in a state of happiness, to be in a different realm. So we'd like to share with you five questions that have to do with using an antique Sefer Torah, what goes into that, some issues that may be with that. There are some people that they feel that getting an antique Sefer Torah is actually better, because otherwise it would just languish and not be used and you know, why would we do something? Putting in Geniza, if it, there's, in essence, there's nothing wrong with it, especially all the Kedusha that's inherent on that, so many people that have made Barachot on it, and who knows which Tzadikim had laid their eyes on such Sefer Torah, there may be inherent Barachah in such a thing. So there are some people that specifically want to have restoration of old Sefer Torah to be used. So the question is, 
Do we say that that's better or not? So let's explore five questions that we think would be quite relevant for a person if they wanted to do a, rest, a restoration of old Sifrei Torah and to use that in, the, in one's current time. First one is, do we have to assume that an El, a Sifrei Torah that's an antique, it has ta'uyot, it has, let's say, mistakes in it? Because, unfortunately, a Torah, even though it has a priceless value to it, and it's eternal. But the fact is, it is written on cloth and it is written with ink, and these things do not stay forever, and uh, they eventually fade over time. Fascinatingly, there was a, a big find in the Qumran Caves when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Amongst the items that they found, they also found two pairs of tefillin, which, incidentally, was actually put in the order of what we know as the famous Machloka between Rashi and his grandson Rabbi Otam, they were the ones that mechadesh it, but they were the ones that made it popular. So they had those, the Sidre of the Parashiot that was written in those two different uh, parchments of the Tefillin. But the point is, the parchment, although it was old, the Ketav was still written on that. Obviously, you're talking about thousands of years ago, and it still managed to be on there. But the fact is, things fade. So the question is, do we assume, number one, that there are ta'oyot, there are some type of mistakes, and if there are ta'oyot, is a person allowed to make a bracha on it without checking it, meaning they got the Sefer Torah and they're so excited to be using such an old elderly Sefer Torah, can they, let's say, make a bracha on it or not? That's question number one. Question number two is, if one does find mistakes, what would be the limit that we say, okay, we got to redo this, the Sefer Torah, although it's uh, antique and it's elderly, but the fact is, we now have an opportunity to fix it. We need to fix it. We need to do a thorough check. When, when do we say, okay, this is a thorough check, we have to start doing that. Is there a number, or is it just, do we feel like it, or let's say we don't feel like it, what's, is there a number or not? Third question is, is a person actually fulfilled the mitzvah, just by fixing it? After all, you did not write all the letters you did not spend the time and the effort to do that. You just bought it. So just by bu- buying something, is that considered being Mekayim Nemitzah Ketivat Sefer Torah or not? Or does one have to actually write it? Well, what goes into that? Just buying something, the person, all they did was it was a transfer of monetary instruments for an item. In this case, it would be Sefer Torah. Is that considered being Mekayim Nemitzah or not? The fourth question is, if a person, let's say, needs to remove the Sefer Torah, from one place to another, what would be considered the way of moving that we would say it is considered proper kavod, and it would be a bizayon. It's a disgrace, and therefore we have to somehow find out another way that we could work around it. And the fifth and final question, which we'll discuss today, is, does one make a shechianu when they buy a sefer Torah and give it to Bet Knesset, because technically it's not yours? We know that when it comes to Shechianu, a person needs to make a bracha when they feel a tremendous amount of simcha, uh, happiness, and because the item is, gives them happiness, and since it engenders this type of happiness, and it's yours, that's the key word, it's, since it's yours, therefore we say, you make a Shechianu. So the question is, a person buying a Sefer Torah, obviously is a very big simcha, but giving it to Abed Knesset, how does that engender some type of happiness? It's not you, true, you may get kavod from it, but it's not really you that's getting, that's benefiting it, it's, it's the Bet Knesset, not you. So again, the five questions are, do we have to assume that there are any mistakes? The second question is, if we do find mistakes, what is the amount that we say, we have to say that this Sefer Torah needs to be thoroughly checked? And when do we say it's okay? Uh, obviously, we're expecting for it to be that there are a few mistakes here and there, what's called here and there, and what's called, this is something that is needs to be checked immediately. 
The third question is, is a person just with tikkunim, just for fixing it, or do you actually need to write it? Is buying it good enough? Being metakenet, or any of those three, which one is the person of ktivat sefer Torah? And the fourth question is, if a person needs to move the sefer Torah from one area to another, what is considered the way that it's an honorable way, and the other one, Chas Shalom, is considered a, a disgrace. And the final question is, does one make a Shaykhiyanu when one gives it to Beit Knesset, when clearly they're not still using it, and it's going to be used in the Beit Knesset? So, for the first question, do we assume that there are any problems? So, the poskim tell us, so all I'm quoting right now is from a number of Marim Komot, in Yabi Omer, Cherek Aleph, Siman Yutet, it's all out of until I indicate otherwise, and in Chelek Dalid, Siman Tet Vav, Chelek Het, in Lamed Vav, in Chelek Tet, in Yoredea, in Yud Chet, in Samach Tet, and Yechavedat, Henon Chet, and Chazon Avad, Yechav Chet, Chadalid, all of these is where we got the different insights that we're giving on the Shiur at this moment. And Chamavadia brings that Bizman since we're not such Bikim, in Chaserot, the Yeterot, in different letters or words that are missing, so since we don't know, like it says, Karnot HaMizbeach, Karnot is spelled Chaser Vav, it's missing a Vav. And there are other instances where it's missing a letter, or there's some words that you read totally different. And the Gemara tells in Kiddushin, Daf Lamed Amad Aleph, the end, that even Amoraim, they actually also had a struggle about when is it that you say, Chederot, and he said, Yeterot, that we say some is missing and some is additional that needs to be added. And he comes out, Hamavadi says, that when you have a misora, that's enough for us to say, that you could rely on it, to say that rov svarim akshirim, and that's the misora that we have, that we could assume it is okay. And we don't have to be choshesh that maybe there's a problem. No, you could assume it's okay, unless indicated otherwise. However, if it's yadua, if it's well known that there are actually mistakes, then the Rambam holds a big chidush, that still a person is allowed to give a bracha on that, and he says also the Ran and the Rajba and the Rav Shanim, they hold that as well, that since the fact is, even though you know there are a few mistakes, if the mistakes got fixed up, you don't have to assume there's more unless you see it straight up, and therefore a person should know that they can make a bracha, it's 100% fine for them to do that. So to be choshesh in Ta'ayot, we say you don't have to be, and if you know there's a chashash, you could still make a bracha in the Sefer Torah according to the Rambam, the Ran, and the Rajba. They say it's 100% fine for a person to do that. I actually had a very interesting incident that when we were one time in the Beit Knesset, and for some reason, the Sefer Torah that we had, I don't know why no one noticed this, but the word was Yisrael, and the Lamed of Yisrael, instead of it looking like a Lamed, the Lamed looked like a Fe with a little thing sticking on top. A Fe Lamed. That's the best way to, for me to describe it. Now the problem is, that was the only Sefer Torah we had at the moment, and the halacha is that if you have a letter or a word, and you, 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 it could either go one or two ways. In other words, uh, the reason why I was thinking that it's not a problem is because it looked like a felam, and there's no other, there's no such ot, there's no such letter that's a felam. So it could be, it was like, a, you look at it as like there's an additional ink that added on the bottom of the middle of the ot lamid to make it look like a felam. So if the Gemara tells us that if you have a safek, you take a child, lo hacham velotipesh, a child who's not super smart that he could put the word in context, and then guess obviously what the word is, obviously if your child is smart, or Yisra, there's no such word, Yisra F. 
So obviously it's Israel. So he'll understand that even though he clearly sees a fit. Uh, also, Velotipesh, and not a, a, a foolish child, that he doesn't know how to read, and it's going to be like literally pulling out teeth, that the child doesn't understand what it is that you're trying to get at. It has to be in between. And Rav Hutner used to joke around and say, go find a Jewish father that thinks his kid is lo chacham velotipesh. <laughs> right in the middle. It's either an extreme. So that's the joke Rav, Rav Hutner used to say. So the point is, is that a person has to know is that you get a child, and you show that to them, and then they tell you you could be Samechanen. So at that time, my middle child, Asher, he was, uh, happened to be in the Bet Knesset at the time. He was around five years old. And uh, I picked him up, and I pointed to the word. I said, do you see the word? He said, yeah, it's a Yod, a Shin, a Sin, a Resh, Aleph. And then I'm like, yeah, and what's the next one? And he saw, like, everyone leaning forward, and he's like, he says, uh, Alamed. And everyone breathed a sigh, a sigh of relief. He said, wait, wait, what just happened? What happened? I said, you made the Sefer Torah, Kasher. So he went around telling everyone, I made the Sefer Torah. It was me. I did that. So, obviously, he's a little kid, five years old, but the fact is, is that, in a way, he is right, but in a way, he's wrong. He's right that he made the Sefer Torah kasher, but he didn't make the Sefer Torah, because obviously, that could be fixed afterwards. But the point is, is that, if you find a mistake, says the Rambam, keep making a bracha 100% fine. However, the Aruch HaShulchan, he is more machmir, and he says, it's asur to be mevarech, until you're magia the entire thing. He brings a machloket, of a case of a sofer that found three mistakes, biserugin, uh, in different intervals. They weren't back to back to back. It was more like uh, on one amul, then you go like a few more prakim later, and you find another one, and then a few prakim also. It wasn't a set time. It was only biserugin. So do you need to continue to fix it all the way to the, towards the end in order to read it? And he brings that a person, uh, obviously should be machmir and such a thing, and in that case that we just said, if a person, if they could be mamshich, to be mitaken, and could they read? So he, uh, he brings from the Bnei Yona and the Keset HaSofer, the Rabbi from the Ketzer Shulchan Aruch, that they bring a person still could read from the Sefer Torah, and they say, because right now, if it was fixed, was is fixed, until you see another problem, we assume that everything's fine. However, the Dvar Shmuel Abuav and the Malachat Shamayim and the Berchat Yosef Landau, they say it's Asur, because once you have three, three is Muchzak, and just like we have in Tolaim, that we have that if it's Muchzak Tolaim, if it has, that it has already three heads are infested with bugs, we can assume that everything else is infested as well, and therefore that will be somewhat of a halachic problem. So we have a big machlogan in the Akronim about whether or not if a sofer found three Ta'oyot, they found it in, in some in not, not a non-order, non-sequential order. Is that considered a problem and a person needs to make a bracha or not? So getting back to our first question, do, are we choshesh for ta'uyot? Are we, do we suspect that there's any problem with an antique sefer Torah? The answer is no. And if we know that there's a problem, can you make a bracha on that? As long as it was fixed, says the Rambam, you 100% could. However, the Arach HaShulchan, he argues and he brings that a person should be more machmir until you check because better safe than sorry. The second question was, if a person found mistakes, how much do we say is a problem? So, Hamavadi brings from the Chuvat Rajba and Zayin Eresh Pezayin, that he says, when a person finds three or four ta'uyot, three or four mistakes, that's considered hukhzak muta, it's considered that it's already set in stone until it gets fixed, that this is a now a Sefer Torah that needs to have a tikkun on it, and therefore it will be asur for a person to be mevarech, because once you have three to four, we can assume that there is also much more, and just because you found in this spot check, means that there's potentially a lot more, and it's muhzak now. 
The third question is, is a person mekayem the mitzah ketivat sevet Torah, just fixing it, or does he actually have to write it or buy it? So the Mefarshim tells us that once a sefer Torah is made, it's 100%, it's a new sefer Torah. Now, the question is, what's better for a person to do? Fascinating about, is it better for a person to buy a sefer Torah and put it in the Betek Because that's what we have. Or, is it better for a person to use their money for sefarim, for people to learn from? Fascinating machlokat on this. That there is the Rambam. The Rambam seems to say very clearly that a sefer Torah is what a person should have. I, the purpose of the sefer Torah is it should be something that people have and they know. And how do you do that? If they're learning from it. And there's a machlokin in the Gemara. If we say yesh em lemikra, do we say that there's a purpose for why the Torah goes out of its way? Meaning when the Torah tells you something and it says leman in order, is that the reason? Or it's just giving you an idea of the gist of what we're trying to say. But it's not the, the reason. So there's a machlokin in the Gemara. If we say or not, do we say that it's considered where the Torah is giving us a, 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 a excuse me, time and dekra? We're telling you the reason of the pasuk. So since we say dorshin time and dekra, they were saying the reason of the pasuk. This time and dekra that we're saying is that's the reason, and therefore, if you're not fulfilling it, there's no point in you doing it. And therefore, some people want to say, since a person donating a sefer Torah is just going to be put in the hechal, no one technically is going to be using it. So what are you gaining by that? So therefore, it says the rush, it's better for a person to buy sefer Torah. Uh, excuse me, it's better for a person to buy Sfarim instead of a Sefer Torah. And the Rambam argues that says Sefer Torah obviously is the best thing for a person to buy. And, and they say, according to the Rambam, the best thing will be if you want to accord some honor to the Devrei Rush, what the Rush said, which is that no one uses Sefer Torah. They say what the person should do if he wants to have extra Kedusha and Yerat Shemaim, they take out the Sefer Torah and they do Shtayim Mekavechetagum when they're reading from the Parashah. Not only does it give the person the benefit that they'll know Parashiot Baal Peh, they'll know it by heart, but also there's more Kedusha and that's doing a mitzvah. Taking a Sefer Torah out for that is considered learning and that would be 100% fine. According to that, the Prisha and the Shach, they say that, that, uh, taking out a Sefer Torah for no reason is Mizazel in Sefer Torah, and therefore if a person takes that and learns from it, that will be fine. But otherwise, that will be a problem. The fourth question of, if a person needs to move a Sefer Torah from one place to another, what does one do? So, just taking a Sefer Torah, Ab Berachov, that's 100% of Bizayon, and a person should not do that. And, they say the way that a person can get around that is they, if they take some wax, hot wax, and they pour it on one or two of the letters. So the letter is still there. You didn't erase the letter. The letter is still there, but it's being blocked. Since its impediment is now there, it's not allowing the Sefer Torah to be fully kasher, but it's not pasul. So you weren't biadayim. You weren't with your own hands making it pasul, but yet it's not kasher. So... In a case like that, if a person pours the hot wax on there and covers up a few letters, a person can take that out because it's not, quote-unquote, a kasher sefer Torah anymore, but it's not pasul. Or, another idea is they take off the tfirot, the yiriot, or let's say one of the parashiot, and some people say if there's uh, 80, 85 otiot in the parasha that uh, represents the small parasha of uh, Vahib and Tzaharon, if a person takes something like that, that's fine. You see, there are standalone parashiot that a person could take away. But again, that's not the best thing because then maybe you'll mix it up the order. The point is, is that putting it with the wax is definitely the best way to go. Or if a person wants, if they take 10 men and they walk out with 10 men outside with the Sefer Torah being malavid, that shows the derech kavod for the Sefer Torah and that will be allowed. 
The fifth question is, if a person makes a Shekhiyanu when they buy a Sefer Torah, so that's a Machloket in the poskim about whether or not we say Safek Brachot Lo'akel, and therefore a person should wear a new Beged and have in mind the Sefer Torah, because after all, it's not going to you, it's going to Bet Knesset. Or do we say, no, my Simcha is, I'm giving it to the Bet Knesset. I can't have a greater Simcha than that. And since a person feels that this is the greatest Simcha that they have, therefore it would be incumbent upon them to feel that if I'm feeling this ecstasy at this moment, I want to make a Shekhiyanu, we'll allow the person to do that. So again, the questions that we had were, uh, if a person should be choshesh in ta'arot, the person should think, think maybe there's an issue of there being any mistakes. The answer is no, he should not. If a person finds a ta'ot, how many ta- of them do we say that is going to be a baya, is going to be a problem? We said three to four from the Rajva. And if we say a person is mekayim, the mitzvah, and tikunim, and the answer we said is that technically you would be mekayim the mitzvah, uh, but it's not really. According to the Rush, it's better to just buy Sfarim that people will learn from. According to the Rambam, he says, no, that's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the world, and he wanted it to be as such. And uh, and uh, a person has to know is that the Sefer Torah has to be a specific way, and uh, you you cannot be metakened in a different way. And if a person wants to, let's say, move the Sefer Torah from one place to another, what would be if they want to? So we said dripping the wax on top would be the way. And finally, making Shekhiyano is based on a machloket. Do we say it's your Sefer Torah and therefore it's only Simcha where it's with you? Or do we say by you giving it from one place to another in Bet Knesset is also considered a Simcha and therefore a person will do? And they say the way to get around that is wear either a new article of clothing that gives you a, uh, a Simcha and you make a bracha and have in mind the Sefer Torah. Or if you have a Perei uh, Chadash, you have a new fruit that uh, not in the season, that would also suffice when a person makes a Shekhiyano to the ultimate, and that is the Ketivat Sefer Torah in Yerushalayim, Yerak Kodesh, with Mashiach Tzidkenu B'mheru V'yemenu. Amen. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of Halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a Halakhic consultation, monetary Bedin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at theshc.org to subscribe.